Konnichiwa. Welcome to the Jandals in Japan podcast. Kia ora, Catherine. Konnichiwa, Jane. Here we are again. Is it not summer or what? I'm feeling incredibly hot today. (laughs) Very, very warm. Anyone coming over from New Zealand, beware, it is very warm suddenly in Japan. Yeah, summer's here and it's humid. It's not. Those days of the morning when I wake up, I usually have the window right open, but not happening now. Mm -hmm. Not happening. Keeping Mm -hmm. it closed and air con is on. Oh my goodness. Wow. We're still a bit cooler up here in Fukushima. So as I say all the time, you want to escape the Tokyo heat, come to Iwaki Fukushima. It's not so bad here. I want to ask you one of those those questions that puts you on the spot, but you have to think of something and then you say the answer and you're like, oh, I didn't know that was the answer, but that's, you know, I want to say one of those kind of really. Is this to uh, me, Jane? You want to Provoking ask kind of, not provoking kind of questions. Like, a, yeah. And then you have to ask me, but it would be okay. like something like if tomorrow you were getting on a plane and you were going to start a new life or business in Japan with your knowledge of what we've learned over the last year and a half, what would you do? You know, I think it was Rebecca's episode that made me think a lot about this. I love the idea of that boutique hotel and making it about the neighborhood. You know, that, that's what Hotel Indigo are doing mm. and bringing in the neighborhood. And I thought, what would that look like if I did a hotel and I made it about opportunities or experiences or something that was a little bit different to say neighborhood? but a special kind of hotel where people could come and stay and really, really enjoy a real part of Japan that I now know about. So I don't know what it is, but I feel like the experience part and that hotel that's doing something different, little touches in the room, uh, ways that you can make people feel more memorable for them, right? That it's Mm. more memorable for them and they're coming to Japan. So I've got that coming up for me since Mm. we had that exciting episode with Rebecca. I feel the omotenashi, it ties me back to those roots of being a tour guide in New Zealand. And how could I do that in Japan as a place that people would come and stay? And it's very different to what's out there right now. Yeah, like maybe it's a converted building. You just show up up and there's all all these opportunities to experience different things, whatever you want to. Kind of like a summer camp. Yeah, summer camp. Like Heidi High. Heidi yeah. High campers. Um, I love that. I, but, that's the kind of yeah. thing I'd love to be able to do if it was me coming back here again, fresh, but knowing all the knowledge that I've got. Right. You just, yeah, you're starting fresh. Like you don't have your boutique law firm, you know, or whatever. It's just, yeah, I'm just going to go and do something in Japan. That's, that was just the thing I was all just right. wondering. Yeah. Here we go. Reverse for you. You've decided that you're going to go back to New Zealand. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with and for New Zealand based on this? experience you've had in japan so far having children here bringing a family up going through a disaster having a lovely time on the podcast doing all these things between new zealand and japan what would you take back and want to do as your first thing back in your home home country Ooh, now that is a difficult question what would i do for new zealand with my experience of having lived in japan for 20 years and all of the things that i now know back in New Zealand. I think, yeah, if it's, if it's going to be something that serves New Zealand, then the answer might be different. But what's coming to me is that to exponentially help the relationship between Japan and New Zealand, then 
it would be bringing young Japanese people to New Zealand and showing them a different way of life and not not a homestay as such, but get, you know, helping them get amazing opportunities in New Zealand, whether it's interning at this company or staying with this particular host family where they own a farm, right? And then you're out on the farm and you're feeding the animals, whatever. Connecting Jap- young Japanese people with amazing life-changing experiences in New Zealand that they can then go back to Japan and create something with, right? They're not necessarily going to become a salary man or a stressed out um, hardworking salary woman or with two kids in daycare and, and all of these things like they're going to do something different from what's happened from the experience so that that was what was coming to me just then that that I could manage those situations and help them and see you know okay you're finding it difficult today I can understand why that's happening for you and take a deep breath or whatever <laughs> tomorrow will be another day mm. but I just meet so many Japanese people who are doing amazing things in Japan because of the experience that they've had overseas and particularly in New Zealand. And they tell me about the wonderful time that they had in New Zealand and even just doing something simple like, you know, helping out in a cafe and learning how to chat to people. Well, actually, yes. Isn't that amazing? Right. Learning how to just chat to people and and, and see how they're going and just learning, um, you know, that that skill that they don't learn in Japan because that's not right no, you don't no. learn it in japan yeah <laughs> yeah yeah you don't have a icebreaker or chit chat before you get into the start of a meeting you never do that right but mm. in new zealand we absolutely do it so some of that could be quite useful back in japan you know it could be oh, yeah, well, a really good create something that we don't something even different. know we need yet yeah, yeah so yeah mm. I love mm. that idea and i love that it's also not just one and done that you go to new zealand thanks very much check done that it's an Mm. experience that lives in your heart and your mind and you want to do something with it you're Mm. impacted so much by what you did experienced in new zealand that you want to bring it back and you're activated motivated to do something different here right Mm. that would be awesome wow look Mm. at that two great ideas on the spur of the moment that we didn't know each other was going to ask and there we go yeah who knows who wants to back these ideas anyone out there (laughs) we want to do this Who wants to finance the hotel? Yeah. Yeah. So we have seen Japan in the news that's not news in Japan. Right? I love that, right? I think we have to call this out um, because I think the rest of the world sort of seems to be looking at this and going, oh, look at this. But it's not actually news here in Japan. What are we seeing in the news about Japan? Well, I think it started with the G7, didn't it? I mean, there was the whole G7 Japan hosting, but it's just the recent activity. This is sort of, of post the main G7. It's a The G7 just meeting. keeps on giving, right? The gift yeah. that keeps on giving. Um, and there's several other meetings that were held before the actual mm. G7 in Hiroshima and then this recent meeting. And it was a meeting of, what were their exact titles? The G7 Ministerial Meeting on gender equality and women's empowerment is the big board that everybody's standing in front of in this picture that we've seen uh, being made into memes and all sorts of things around on social media. So uh, Japan sent its minister for gender equality. I mean, it was a ministerial meeting after all. Yes, yes. So they read the memo that it was a ministerial meeting. (laughs) So the minister is a male, right? Is it Mr. Oguda? 
Yes. Ogura-san, yes. Ogura Daijin is the Minister for Equality in Japan. So he was at the meeting. So what's and captured、it's... the world attention is that he's the、yeah. one standing there with three women on one side and three women on the other side of him in the middle of the photograph, right? He's in the middle, benched、yes. by, the, by a group of women. And people are saying, where's your female representative in this gender equality meeting? Mm. Japan, where、mm. is your woman? Which is an interesting thing for the、mm. world to think. Because in、yeah. Japan, it's kind of normal. But <laughs> <laughs>、um, well, we yeah, had they... some good thoughts、mm. about this, didn't we, Jane? Because I think, yeah, let's, it's very easy to shove a photo out there and the blast. The optics、Japan. are not great, let's say. Okay, the optics of this photo. But we、I'm、had、not. a couple of good things to bring out about this. And the first one was what we've just talked about is that it was a ministerial meeting, and、mm. Japan did send its minister and well, convened it in Japan as the minister, and it happened to be a male so far, right? So he did actually get the memo on that. I think there are a couple of other countries, at least one, didn't send a minister, provided、mm. their ambassador, Instead, which is not a、yeah. minister. So、mm. I think Japan respected the memo. <laughs> bringing the top person, right?、Yeah. They're bringing the government minister to this meeting. That's number one. Yeah, and Ogura, Ogura, Ogura Daijin, or Ogura san, I'm going to call him Ogura san. <laughs> um It seems like he is an ally, right? So he is there to learn. And I think he probably got a great education from the people he spent his time with. I'm not, hopefully, he did a lot of listening and hearing about. Opportunities and things that could be done in Japan. So, hopefully, very soon it will be a, a day in Japan where we can have a woman Minister of Equality. Absolutely. Yeah. But, but you've got the second、uh, point there, right? He was an ally, is an ally.、Mm-hmm. And、uh, we do hope that, you know, like most things, if you don't see it or hear it from somebody, you never know what it's going to be or what it should be. And so, with the six, Uh, teachers around him from the other countries. He, he must have learned a lot in these last few、mm. days. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. So, you see, yeah, you we'll can feel it. Look Come on, Japan. We're seeing, <laughs> seeing the <laughs> drip down to our daily lives here in Japan. Yeah, optics not great. Ogura-san, I think he's, he's, God, that must be a difficult job, though, right?、Imagine、to be the equality minister. Yeah. yeah. And Uh, he's the one who was、um, walking around with the pregnancy suit on as well, wasn't he? He was in the media a while ago because he and some of his fellow people had on their、um, pregnancy suits. I'm going to call it that, you know, with the big, heavy stomach and experiencing what it's like to be a pregnant woman for、right. a whole day, or hopefully it was at least a week that he was made to wear that.、Yeah. And、um, I also hope he was given nausea drugs as well so that he got the full experience <laughs> and also something to make him want to go to the bathroom every five minutes, just to really bring it home to what it's、mm-hmm. actually like to. To do that.、Um, but it sounds like he's been a good sport about it all and giving it a go and showing up and and doing things. So who knows? But yeah. yeah this so is we just wanted to set、done. some points out there that, you know, Japan, yes, we know she's not doing too well. And now she's at 125 in the gender equality list. It's dropped、mm. down again. So, you know, we've got to really help Japan get a little bit further. And 
we're trying to do that in various ways, being active females within this community in Japan and just, you know, helping Japan to think about things differently. And we can all do that in our own ways every single day. We can't just rely on the government to make changes or, or show up and do different things. Mm, we also have mm. to do it ourselves, I believe. Yeah, it's got to happen in business and education, all the things. So, yeah, no need to stand around with your hands in your pockets. <laughs> do it today. Yeah. yeah. A great example of something that's not news in Japan, but the rest of the world might be finding that it is news. We're kind of more worried about the Kabuki family news here in Japan at the moment, which is... Yeah, go Google well, that. Well, it's news, isn't it? It's coming up first on the on the oh, rank. It's huge news. Yeah, yeah, mm. it is. And if you haven't heard that, you have to go and find out what that is. Yeah, we'll go Google go into it today. But it's it's big news mm. in Japan, actually. So this episode, Jane, is a little it's different. The, it's the Catherine and Jane show this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have some things that we really want to talk about. So it's you and me today. Stay tuned in, people. Don't go away. Don't go away. Stay there. Stay there. <laughs> First up was, well, we did have one person who spoke to us a little while ago, and he came to Japan during the Beppu conference for the JNZBC. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about him uh, and some comments that he made and, and share those with everybody. We also want to talk about the JNZBC itself. And that, that meeting is fast coming up on the schedule for this year. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about that as well. So JNZBC is the Japan New Zealand Business Council and they run a conference every year and they alternate between Japan and New Zealand. So last year was in Beppu in November and this coming year in November, 19, 20, 21, November, it will be held in Christchurch. And it's really great to see the JNZBC have already put out a draft agenda and they're already padding out all of the plenary sessions, which is really cool. I can see they've got theme of the conference is intergenerational action. Ooh, Excellent. Pretty yep. big. Mm. That is really big. Thank you. Mm. That is great to see. And then the plenary sessions are around forestry, fisheries, uh, energy, you know, decarbonization, etc., uh, tourism and science. So all very, very good topics that Japan and New Zealand have plenty of opportunities to be collaborating on and are already collaborating on and we see one of our jandals guests has been chosen to be a speaker on tourism so mike harris will be speaking that's going to be a good time definitely very entertaining i'm sure as well as informative so if you're wondering who mike harris is go and find that episode a few episodes back and hear about the the work that he does with the tourism industry in japan Absolutely. I mean, he's the CRO, isn't he? Chief Refreshing Officer. And that makes me laugh every time <laughs> yeah. of Kenyans and has a great story to tell. And he told a lot of it on the podcast with us. Mm. And it was so entertaining and very insightful. So yeah, when he grabs the stage in Christchurch in November, it's actually Tuesday, 21st of November, he's in the fifth plenary session, livening things up. I can't wait to hear that. And we're really just so thankful i think to the jcci the japan chamber of commerce who run the japan side of the committee who've communicated with new zealand side and they've you know thought about this a lot how to bring some different people into the conference get some more interest through younger people mm. get some more interest as well through uh, women 
And a way of doing that is to focus on adventure tourism, which is exactly why Mike Mike is there. Mm. Yeah, it's a, women it's make a up a big of, part of the tourism industry, both in Japan yeah. and New Zealand. Yeah, I think uh, adventure tourism is something that Japan has has so much potential, and New Zealand has so much expertise. So it's it's just a, a really great place for them to start to collaborate more. I feel to bring some of those, especially some of the safety aspects that we heard about from Mike. Imagine bringing oh, some of absolutely. those over here and, and making the industry much safer for everyone so absolutely. we can all enjoy it more. Mm. And when we spoke with Alex Holmes, he said to us that Japan is the fifth largest tourism market for New Zealand. So Japanese tourists going into New Zealand are at level five, right? Out of all, right. Like all the countries in the world. It perhaps may not have been growing pre-COVID. I certainly know in my previous days when I was a tour guide, it was just massive. There were people coming through yeah, yeah. all the time. And I guess COVID has hurt things a little bit, but still number five. And I think there's heaps of potential there for New Zealand to find ways of alluring more Japanese to travel to New Zealand and bring that from five up to you know mm. top three. Yeah. Well, I'm seeing and hearing a lot of people in Japan who don't want to travel mm. anymore. They've been so terrified by what went on during COVID that they've lost any interest in traveling. So getting Japanese people to travel again, we really have mm. to appeal to the safety aspect of traveling to New Zealand. Absolutely. Yeah. That it is a safe destination. You can have a nice holiday. And hopefully the yen will come back and Japanese people will be able to afford to travel again because that's another thing that I'm hearing is that international students are just uh, can't afford to go to New Zealand anymore mm. and so how are we going to overcome these kinds of challenges to make New Zealand attractive again to international students young people because if young people don't leave Japan and get those outside experiences then we have the problem that they probably never leave Japan, right? That they, they're they mm. becoming sort of more, uh, it's too scary out there in the big bad world, which is what they've learned over the last three years. It's, I've certainly felt that I, I don't mm. want to travel and I'm a New Zealander. <laughs> right, the thought of traveling is, it's quite a big mind block to get over. So if we're having that, perhaps it's harder even for Japanese who've been here and been very comfortable during COVID, we were well looked after. There were restrictions on us, but not nothing like overseas. So yes, I've heard the same with people not wanting to go overseas, and then they're worried if something does happen, how yeah. will I be looked after in that country that I'm? I don't visiting? speak English well enough to deal with whatever happens, or maybe there's another virus pops up and the world shuts down again while I'm overseas, or my child is overseas. Still very raw, I think, for a lot of people. But if they do travel, um, you know, one of Alex's comments as well was that he thought that visitors have values that aligned to New Zealand. So he thought his comment was about Japanese people having values aligned to those of New Zealand. Um, and so those are the kinds of people who would travel to New Zealand was one of his thoughts. Mm. Uh, so he also saw that there was probably a real untapped potential there of leveraging that even that small aspect of values that are connected. Mm -hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a big one. I think for especially Japanese travelers is the kind of travelers we want to have come to New Zealand who mm. appreciate the beauty of our nature and take care of it, which is 
generally what Japanese people tend to do generally. So those are the kind of people we want to have more of coming and enjoying our nature and coming back to Japan, telling everybody about it. Some of the Japanese people I've met here who are fans of New Zealand are just next level New Zealand fans. <laughs> they, and I'm sure you've met these people too, Catherine. They just love New Zealand and any chance to talk about New Zealand and how great it is to people, anyone who'll listen to them. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, they're really a great resource for building our our brand even more it's not necessarily sending new zealanders out into the world it's giving japanese people an amazing experience when they visit yeah. new zealand definitely definitely and i think that helps too to another point that alex brought up was the breaking down of barriers between nations it's really only when you go and visit a country and spend time there especially speaking with people even if it's in pigeon english or pigeon japanese you get to know them so much better on the ground when you visit. And I think that was one of Alex's great comments was to call on that as a way to break barriers. Come to New Zealand and do that. Go to Japan as well. But I feel when he was here, he saw that that was a potential. And I think also for him attending the conference, what he said was being there and being able to speak with people who were involved in tourism or just generally speaking Japanese that he could speak to and ask them questions about New Zealand that was also a way of breaking down barriers meeting together face to face so those were really insightful comments that we had uh, from alex there yeah so thinking along the lines of tourism again how can we break down barriers through tourism because loading people onto a tour bus and sending them around doesn't necessarily do that but those amazing experiences that both the japanese government and i think new zealand too are creating these experience-based uh, experiences, experience-based experiences. What is that? So, for example, um, we are seeing the increase of the budo tourism, the martial arts tourism, right? So helping people to connect with a dojo where they can practice and make friends with the, the members. Like, that is life-changing kind of experience. Yeah, and you can that, gloss yeah. over that quite easily go, oh, yeah, so what? It's just visiting a dojo. Um, uh, uh, so what? But it's more than that, uh, isn't it? Uh, much, uh, much more. It's so, so much, much deeper. Mm, so deep. And once you've got that connection and if you maintain it, like the, you know, it wouldn't matter if you didn't see each other for two or three years, but if you went back again and it would be, yeah, an amazing experience for them and for you. And so, yeah, yeah also forget. in New Zealand, how does how does that what does that look like you know maybe we've yeah. got sort of like farm stays or um you know these short-term things where you can go and do a like a working holiday and you know work mm. somewhere and meet people mm. get to know them that just changes people's perspective so it much does. so yeah the asia new zealand foundation brought out a report it was it's pre-covid but it does talk about how there was a group for example uh, of female students 20 of them from Japan visited New Zealand on an agricultural exchange mm. experience where they visited Southland and they went to dairy farms and saw dairy farms in action. They went to one of the Fonterra factories and learning all about New Zealand farming methods. Mm. So there's potential there for doing that kind of agri-tourism, more mm. of that uh, mm -hmm. and adventures, as you just said, through the experience of doing stuff, not just looking out a window at on the left, on the right scenery and actually yeah. getting into it and experiencing mm. uh, New Zealand. Yeah. 
Yeah, we're seeing like young people who are coming of age in Japan are people who have had far more English experience and are far more open to having these kind of more in-person experiences than Japanese have ever been in in the past. Mm. So yeah, it's looking looking bright in that area. I feel like. You know, kids are learning English in the third grade now. My son has just started his English uh, education <laughs> at the age of eight here in Japan. So, yeah, it's really making a difference. And I'm seeing a huge difference in kids, the way they approach me, for example, mm. in this area. They're just, they're not scared of me. Whereas before it was like, oh, scary foreigner over there. And 10 years ago in the same neighborhood, you know, now it's just like, oh, hi, hello. It's interesting, though, how many people here too have had an experience of New Zealand, as you were mentioning before, and they mm-hmm. want to continue their English yes. and they want to continue some connection to New Zealand. And I've mentioned to a couple of them who are not listeners of this podcast, but you know, if you're really natsukashi, you're really aching for a New Zealand accent, come along and listen to us and you'll hear us talking mm. like this. And so there's a few who've been super excited to do that and yeah. just grab the podcast and listen to some New Zealand English. and. Aside from that, I also think this podcast, on reflection, how many episodes now, Jane? More than 30, 33, I think. 34, I think this Four. one is. It's really been an opportunity for us to have people come along and freely share their experiences, tell us mm-hmm. so many things that are really great resources for others to grab onto. And they're doing that of their time. They're just giving their time to come on and, and show what they've done, how they've got over challenges, Mm. how they continue to do that. So I think it's really fun for us that we've been able to work uh, with these influential individuals, many of them and amazing companies, and just shine this light on what is being done. But also there's just so much more potential that hasn't happened yet. And if you look to it, the ability to really connect between countries, I think about What's been one of the most amazing things for us this year is to have that impact through the fundraiser that we helped on uh, for bringing uh, funds, 3 million yen, 36,000 New Zealand dollars from the Japanese and New Zealand community here through, you know, one, two events that went through to uh, flood recovery for after Cyclone Gabriel. So just the things that we can do together is actually not as hard as we think. It takes a bit of effort, but you can do it and have really good impact and in many, many ways that you never thought could be possible. And I think that's all stemmed from our association with the podcast and the people that we've met through it who've built up a community and want to keep going and doing more and more Definitely. and more in the two countries. Yeah. Deepening a lot of people have community. asked us that, like, where is the New Zealand community and where can I find it? And I was like, well, like, start here. It's kind of over there and over there, but you know, this one is available to you too. So welcome. <laughs> so many opportunities though. I grabbed some more comments from the Asian New Zealand Foundation and these are the things they listed. Addressing climate change together, becoming energy partners for low carbon future, building renewable energy supply chains through geothermal and hydrogen, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Increasing our security and cyber partnerships. Mm. developing advanced technologies and i'm going to add in here this sort of idea of new zealand startups collaborating with japanese larger businesses to do things together Uh, and then there's more things that they said were around the trade agenda global trade agenda and also being partners in this pacific area to support each other they're all just like substantive ways that 
have so much more potential, I think, for New Zealand yep. and Japan. Mm. Mm. Seize it. Go seize it. And I think our ideas too, we want to do a whole lot more in this space and especially deepen the community as Team New Zealand in Japan. We like to use this hashtag Team NZ in Japan with more information, um, education and collaboration at our forefront, especially building a pipeline of professional opportunities for many people. But I think especially close to our heart are the wahine, our women who we want to see building leadership within Japan in the future. And we really think pulling on the strengths that New Zealand and Japan has, maybe doesn't know it as well as maybe we think we might know. Mm. <laughs> if we can work in unison as two like-minded countries, imagine the possibilities. Um, and tying back to the beginning of this episode, when you talked about the women at the G7, right? There's a lot there that I think we can build on. So I'll leave that yeah. there for the moment, but that's what we're thinking about at the moment, right, mm. Jane? Yeah, exactly. So when we started this podcast more than a year ago, it was a podcast about New Zealand and we wanted to find out the stories of New Zealanders that were not being told. And now after a year and a half of hearing these stories, we're starting to see oh, what might be the next thing or what else is needed here that we didn't know a year and a half ago. So it's certainly been an education, a fantastic education and to know more about what New Zealanders are doing and how New Zealand and Japan could work together. I love it. Yeah. Watch this space. <laughs> yeah, watch this space. New Zealand, Japan, we, we're coming for you and uh, here to help. Mm, yeah, here to help. That's the one. Yeah, so we have so many things that are starting to, to kind of happen in the next few months. If we think back to some of the episodes we've had recently, especially with Rebecca and Midiana, launches, hotel openings, all of this exciting stuff going on. We're watching all of this and we're learning and I'm super excited to be part of it. So we hope you are too as a listener to Jandals in Japan and that you'll keep following and seeing what we're up to. Well, this has been lovely and lots of fun and we hope that you've enjoyed a, a sort of different way of doing the podcast episode. And we know that you miss our voices and so you wanted yeah, to hear we us. So we decided we'd do by. it now as a sort of a summer thing for you. Bring in some of what Alex had told us. Tell you a little bit about the JNZBC coming up. We'll give you some more information on that as we get further forward to that event in November. Mm. Yeah, we have a couple more episodes coming before our summer break. So make sure you listen to those. They'll be coming out very soon. And then we'll be taking a month off because absence makes the heart grow fonder. Doesn't they it? Say. And we need a break as well, right? Got some things happening in summer, like children not going to school for a month and <laughs> things. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. We'll see you again soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. Make sure you check out our guests' links in the show notes. This podcast is brought to you today by Catherine O'Connell Law and Pod Launch with Jane. If you have a great story you think should be on the show, come and find us on LinkedIn or Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. See you next time. Mata ne!